KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, May 24th. Reaction to Title 42 continuing. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors will meet today to discuss a one-time $10 million fund to help cities start up homeless shelters. Earlier this month, County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher proposed a partnership where cities provide shelter space for people facing homelessness, and in turn, the county will provide mental health services and public benefits assistance. The funding up for debate today is aimed at helping cities launch or expand expand shelter programs. Governor Gavin Newsom threatened on Monday to impose mandatory water restrictions if Californians don't start conserving more water. The state is facing a severe drought. Despite that, water use increased 19% in March compared to 2020. The governor has left it up to local water agencies to set rules for water use in areas they serve, but he says statewide restrictions could come later this summer if conservation doesn't increase. The San Diego City Council has narrowed down their list of teams to redevelop the sports arena property in the Midway District. The San Diego Union-Tribune reports that the council is going to keep working with Midway Rising, Hometown SD, and Midway Village Plus. Those three teams were recommended by Mayor Todd Gloria and the city's real estate department. The vote appears to be guided by statewide rules that require cities to prioritize developments with the most housing housing for low-income families. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Monday was supposed to mark the end of Title 42. It's a controversial Trump-era policy that limits asylum. But a federal judge in Louisiana blocked the Biden administration from terminating that policy. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with lawyers and activists about the decision. May 23rd was the day that migrants and advocates throughout the border region had marked on their calendars. It was supposed to be the end of Title 42, which gives border officials the ability to turn away asylum seekers without a court hearing. Lindsay Toslowski is the executive director of the Immigrant Defenders Law Center. We had been telling them that May 23rd was the day when hope was on the horizon. It was the day that the racist and xenophobic Title 42 policy was set to be lifted. But May 23rd dawned as another broken promise. Soon after the Biden administration ordered the end of Title 42 in April, Arizona and Texas sued to block that order in federal court. Monica Langatica is a staff attorney with the Center for Immigration Law and Policy at UCLA. She participated in the case. Our argument is simple. 
Why should Arizona and Texas and other hostile anti-immigrant states get to dictate national immigration policy for the entire border and the entire country? Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Some San Diego supervisors are vocalizing their support for access to abortion and reproductive health care services in case Roe v. Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne has more on a proposal being voted on in today's supervisors meeting. San Diego County Board of Supervisors Tara Lawson-Raymer and Nora Vargas are bringing forward a resolution in support of leaving abortion choice up to women. Supervisor Lawson Raymer says the move would demonstrate the county of San Diego is a safe harbor for a woman's right to choose. What we can do in, in San Diego County and what we can do in the state of California is enshrine those rights in our California state constitution so we can be clear that there is no question that the right to privacy, a woman's right to choose, and reproductive justice are protected here in the state of California. Supervisors will be voting on the resolution at Tuesday's board meeting. Meanwhile, California lawmakers are considering a package of bills aimed at protecting the right to an abortion. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. With the severe baby formula shortage on store shelves, many parents are hoping they can get what they need from milk banks. One that opened during the pandemic at UC San Diego provides donor breast milk to neonatal intensive care units for medically fragile infants, and they also sell milk by the ounce. Dr. Lisa Stellwagen is the bank's executive director and a professor of pediatrics at UCSD. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. How has the formula shortage impacted the UC Health Milk Bank? When this all hit the media, the, the worry and the concern really escalated. And over the past two weeks, we've had an increase in inquiries about purchasing donor milk for families at home. The remarkable part of this from the milk bank's point of view has been this outpouring of interest in donation from the families in our community, just a five-fold increase in inquiries for um, wanting to donate milk and help other families. And I want to ask you a few questions about the shortage. I mean, what guidelines is the American Academy of Pediatrics giving to families now in response to the formula shortage, uh, just in terms of do's and don'ts? So as a, as a rough guideline, the um, AP looks at newborns to age six months is a fragile population where you must be more careful about what you feed your child and then baby six to 12 months in a somewhat of a different group. So let's start with that. So if you have a child over the age of six months, healthy child does not have special nutritional needs, you have a little bit more option. You can of course switch brands and try a different formula. Um, you could on a short-term basis use a toddler formula, which is formulated for babies over age one and then when you can switch back to your normal milk that you feed your baby. You also could, in a pinch, switch to whole cow's milk to give to a six-month-old because six-month-olds are also eating other food, food um, stuffs. Um, you want to be careful not with these aged children to use a plant-based milk, to not use any kind of a homemade um, milk formula that you've created yourself, and never, ever dilate, dilute milk by adding water. That can lead to severe electrolyte disturbances. Now let's, let's say, however, you have a, a young child 
from newborn to six months, you have to be more careful. This is their exclusive diet and, and they need to be given um, an appropriate infant formula. So first thing is um, you can always switch products as long as you have a healthy child from one company to another. Most children don't seem to mind that at all. If there's a taste difference, you can sometimes, you could start with your current milk and add a little bit of the new milk and then fool the baby by changing, slowly changing the bottles over to the new product. Do not, in this age group, use whole milk, do not use toddler formula, and never, as I mentioned, dilute formula or make your own, your own product. And if you're in a critical situation, always feel free to reach out to your pediatrician or your clinic, your local WIC office, get somebody to help you so that you're not struggling and unable to feed your child. You know, we're seeing stories of people connecting online and sharing breast milk. How is that milk different from what the milk bank provides? What we call in medicine informal milk sharing, where a family might offer raw milk untested to another family, is something that the American Academy of Pediatrics discourages because milk is a biologic substance. And much like blood or another tissue, it carries viruses and bacteria and it could transmit infection, although albeit, albeit that's very rare, but we discourage informal milk sharing. Now, a proved milk bank is very different. We like a blood bank, do put our donors through an intensive, rigorous screening process. We check their blood for infections like HIV or hepatitis. We check with the doctor and make sure everything's safe. We ask the donor many, many questions before we accept their frozen milk. And then all that milk that we accept is um, pasteurized or heat treated, which kills bacteria in the milk and would prevent any uh, foodborne illness and that type of thing. So it's a very rigorous process involving donor screening and the screening of the milk and a lot of safety steps before we provide this milk to hospitals or families to feed babies at home. And that was Dr. Lisa Stellwagen speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Coming up, five months ago, California launched a program to help low-income Californians eliminate asthma triggers in their homes. Thus far, those services have been hard to access. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Five months ago, California unveiled a program to help low-income Californians eliminate asthma triggers in their homes. But five months later, families are still struggling to get these services. In the Central Valley, Maddie Bolaños with KVPR has more. I want Samantha. I want Samantha. It's a warm Monday evening in Madeira. Maria Rubio's youngest kids are playing a video game in their living room. The windows are closed and the blinds are drawn to keep the heat out and the house cool. But Rubio worries about what they can't keep out. Rubio points to a corner in her bedroom where black clusters of mold are forming. 
Rubio and her five kids have suffered with asthma for years. She says the doctors told her there were a number of things that could trigger asthma, like dust mites, mold, and cockroaches. We walk through the hallway and into the kitchen, where she kneels down to show me the wood under the sink. It's expanding due to humidity, which is another asthma trigger. She says she asked her landlord to change it, but they just put in another wood panel and painted over it. The Rubio family is among roughly two million low-income Californians who have health insurance coverage from Medi-Cal and have been diagnosed with asthma. Some will benefit from a new state program that aims to reduce asthma by offering remediation services, like removing mold, installing air purifiers, and even replacing carpeting, blinds, and mattresses. The asthma efforts are part of an $8 billion initiative to transform Medi-Cal and target the state's sickest and most expensive patients. But getting the services has proven to be more difficult than expected. Kevin Hamilton is the director of the Central California Asthma Collaborative, the organization leading these efforts in the San Joaquin Valley. The thing that, that bothers me the most is it's more cumbersome for the patient. Take the Rubio family. To get help, they would first need to get a referral from a medical provider. From there, their health plan would have to approve the referral. Once it's been approved, the partnering community-based organization would visit their home to determine what services are needed. Then, the organization sends the assessment back to the health plan for one final approval before it can move forward with the services. I asked Hamilton how many people in the Valley have been referred to him since the start of the program on January 1st. One. Wow, okay. That's what we're saying, just one. One referral from the five health plans his organization contracts to deliver these services. That's out of the thousands of eligible Medi-Cal patients across five Central Valley counties, according to J.C. Cooper, the California Medicaid director. She acknowledges the program's slow start, but says it's expected. But I think identifying individuals, training providers to um, make referrals for new services, education and outreach to providers and beneficiaries, um, all of those things take a little bit of time to get nuanced and implemented. Back in Madera, Maria Rubio is stirring up some chorizo and eggs for dinner. She says a community health worker told her about the services and she thinks they could be really helpful. But in order to qualify, the family would generally need to get a referral. But Rubio is hesitant to go to the doctor because of bad experiences in the past. It's one more obstacle the state faces in helping families that need these services the most. And that was Maddie Bolaños with KVPR in the Central Valley. This weekend, Diversionary Theater holds the world premiere of the musical 86th. The title refers to the year 1986, when New York's gay community became paralyzed with fear about the AIDS crisis. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando previews the new play. Diversionary Theater was founded at the height of the AIDS crisis in 1986 to give voice to the gay community. It's now the third oldest queer theater in the country, and to honor its founding mission, it'll be producing the new musical, 86th, based on David Feinberg's groundbreaking book and directed by Kevin Newberry. The first part of the book is set in 1980, before everything happened. And the second part is set in 1986, dealing with the fallout of AIDS. 
Audiences now dealing with the fallout from COVID can learn how the queer community navigated the earlier AIDS pandemic. They can also learn how prejudice hindered the government's response. When I was growing up, all I saw on television was if you were gay, you were going to die. And, you know, how our government let us die by the tens of thousands and did nothing about it until we started acting up and and protesting and forming community to, to actually get the rights to basic health services. The play 86 remembers that pain, but also celebrates the joy and resilience of a community. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com.